interviewing top sports personalities from around the nation in order to provide you next-level insight and analysis into your Cleveland Browns. Blue Wire Hustle proudly presents All Eyes on Cleveland. And now, here is your host, Brad Ward. What's happening? My name is Brad Ward. I am your host. This is another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. Mikey's on the ones and twos. We are bringing you a special uh, breaking news edition. Uh, As some news this morning, unfortunate news with Jacob Phillips' injury, um, likely leaving him out for the entire season. Coming down from Adam Schefter, we'll get into more of that in a second here. Uh, But I was able to catch up with the one and only Nathan Zagura, senior media member for the Cleveland Browns, host of Browns Daily and Browns Live, uh, on his way into Berea this morning. And we wanted to bring that to you uh, as he addresses the injury and also addresses some other questions that I have about the roster at this point. Uh, So thank you to Nathan again for his uh, time and being so gracious with his time. But a special edition of All Eyes on Cleveland for you. Let's start off with Jacob Phillips. Uh, Adam Schefter comes down this morning with a report that the Browns linebacker Jacob Phillips tore his biceps tendon in practice yesterday during the Browns and Giants uh, joint practice. According to the Athletic and Virginia Zakis of Inside Injuries, Phillips is likely to miss the entire NFL season after rupturing his biceps tendon. The muscle um, is located in the front upper arm and the tendon attaches the muscle to the bone in the elbow. Injury requires surgery to repair and comes with a four to six week month recovery. Their algorithm at Inside Injuries is giving his optimal recovery time on the longer end of that timeline at 28 weeks. 28 weeks recovery time for uh, Jacob Phillips. Um, The Browns will uh, leave the door open for him to potentially return late in the season. It is unlikely. um, If he does try to play, he would need to wear a brace That would significantly limit his mobility of that arm. However, by 2022, Phillips should be fully recovered without any limitations. And this is via The Athletic and, uh, once again, Virginia Zakis of Inside Injuries. So that's the update there with Jacob Phillips. Just a shame, unfortunate, really sad, an ascending player for the Browns. Uh, looking to be a big part of what they did this year. Um, we'll talk to Nathan about it. I want to get to that interview and about some things that I have been hitting on. I'll, I'll run the roster, you know, um, how this 53 is going to really shape out. And uh, Nathan was gracious, gracious enough to take his drive time out to talk to me about some of this stuff today. Um, and I wanted to get this out here this morning. Um, If you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button, hit subscribe, hit the notification bell. 
Mikey's got the interview queued up, so let's get to it. Without any further ado, here is Nathan Zagura this morning uh, reacting to the Jacob Phillips injury and much more on the Browns roster. And I am absolutely thrilled to uh, be speaking with the one and only uh, Nathan Zagura, Browns senior media broadcaster and host of Cleveland Browns Daily. Uh, he has his uh, finger on the pulse of the Browns at all times, and uh, if I would say so, probably the Cleveland media's face of Browns football these days, Nathan. You're everywhere. Uh, thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day just to talk with me here. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, some unfortunate news this morning, obviously, Nathan, that we're all kind of reacting to. Uh, we get the brutal news, actually, that Jacob Phillips uh, um most likely to miss all of the season uh, with the uh, torn biceps tendon. Um, what is the short-term and long-term fallout for that position group? Well, starting off, obviously, uh, a tough break for Jacob Phillips, a young guy who the team had a very, very high hopes for entering his second season. Uh, on the field right now, you know, Anthony Walker was your starting mic. Jacob Phillips was probably your backup mic. Uh, he was your starting mic. Your starting Wills, either going to be Mac Wilson or Jeremiah Usukoromo, and we know it's going to be tough to keep JOK off the field as things go on. And then Sione Takitaki was at Sam. And so what losing Phillips does is probably, in one sense, it makes things easier for Andrew Barry because they were going to have a tough decision. You likely were only going to be able to carry six linebackers, and you had seven guys who were making – you know, who probably you thought should be on the roster, Walker, J.O.K., Mac Wilson, Taki Taki, Phillips, Malcolm Smith, the veteran who played very, very well for them in sub-package work a year ago, and then Elijah Lee, who's a core special teams member, and actually had six special teams tackles in eight games a year ago. So that was seven guys for six spots. And now with hmm. Phillips out, it, it feels more like it's pretty easy to figure out who's going to make the team for the six. Now the problem and the, the question that we'll be facing Andrew Berry is, if you were to place Jacob Phillips on IR right now, then you, what you would be, have to do is you would, not, you would lose the opportunity to be able to bring him back. The only way to be able to bring him back this year is to put him on your initial 53 and then put him on IR. And so there's going to be a spot that's going to have to be taken on your initial 53, most likely for Phillips, which could mean that you have to let somebody go that you want to be on your roster. So unfortunate timing an unfortunate injury to a very promising young player. I think for on the field, it just means you're going to see Walker and JOK and Mack and Taki and Malcolm Smith. you got five linebackers you still feel really good about. And let's not forget, the Browns are going to be in a sub-package with either one or two linebackers on the field the majority of the time anyway. So I don't think it hurts you there. I think it hurts you on special teams where Jacob Phillips obviously was going to be a big part of what you did. Um, and, and But you're fortunate you have the depth at that position to deal with that loss. It's still very unfortunate, though. Yeah, just, you know, just because he's an ascending young player, and, and, yeah, it's just unfortunate, you said. You're right, though. They do have the depth to handle it. In the interim, though, uh, Nathan, real quickly, before we move on to uh, another topic here, in the interim, with Mac Wilson's shoulder and Taki Taki now with the hamstring, which Stanford just had such terrible luck with the hamstrings, the soft tissue injuries, um, they're just piling up, but uh, do they need to add someone to that room in the interim just as a body, or do you not think that's necessary? Absolutely. They need somebody to be able to play in these preseason games. And, yeah. you know, Pac's got the hamstring, Max has got the shoulder. 
You don't want to play Anthony Walker a lot, and so you're going into that game with really Elijah Lee and Malcolm Smith as your the two guys that you probably want to get out there. So, yeah, I think they need to sign somebody immediately, and there are reports that they're bringing back Willie Harvey, who had spent some time with the team back in 2019. Uh, and if that's the case, you know, I would expect Willie Harvey to come in today, get brought up to speed really quickly, and then play a ton on Sunday against the Giants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You think you expect uh, Jeremiah Wilson Coromoto to get a ton of reps again on 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 Sunday? Yeah, I think he'll play a lot. I think you know JOK, Elijah, Lee, Malcolm Smith, and then if if it's once the team confirms that, obviously Willie Harvey. I think those four will probably play basically the entire game. And JOK wants to keep getting the work, uh, and so I think that he'll probably lead the linebackers and snaps played in this game. Uh, and Boy, is he fun to watch. I thought he really stood out down in Jacksonville. And it was funny when I talked to him when he came off the field. He's like, man, I made so many mistakes, and then I got a chance to talk with him already this week. And he yeah. knows better on the film than I thought it was, but still so many things to clean up and, you know, a real emphasis on getting his eyes in the right places because it's clear when he plays fast, he's as good as anybody out there. Yeah, so much fun to watch, uh, and looking forward to that, obviously. Uh, just to be able to watch him again, so exciting, such a, a great player and uh, exciting player for the Browns. Uh, certainly going to be a big difference maker on the defense. You're, watch, you're listening, Cardinal, not watching, listening to All Eyes on Cleveland with Nathan Segura, very special, uh, just drop in here uh, on his way into work just to catch up on everything with the news here this morning and some other roster implications I wanted to ask you about. But before I get into that real quickly, Nathan, yesterday everybody I spoke with, Kind of said the Browns dominated the day for the most part. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. I thought the Browns just came out, and as they do in the Kevin Stefanski regime, they handled their business. It was a very businesslike approach, and the Browns' offense, I thought, definitely got the better of the Giants' defense, and it was fun to see the ones. Baker had a sharp day. Jarvis was tremendous. We've all seen the highlight of Hollywood Higgins and walking the red carpet, and yes. Kareem and Chubb, it looked like had running room. David Njoku had a great day, the tight end. Uh, Felton was unfair for their linebackers in coverage after spending all that time with the receivers and just with his natural ability. And then I thought our defense, which, you know, didn't have safeties two through four out there in the team drills. They didn't have Denzel. They didn't have Miles. They didn't have Jadevian Clowney. They didn't have Pac McKinley. And yet I thought our defense got the better of the Giants. The ball was hitting the ground an awful lot whenever Daniel Jones dropped back. Uh, and the Browns did a good job at the point of attack. So I thought it was a very strong showing, and you want to follow that up today with another good day of work there at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus. But, yeah, the Browns definitely looked like the better team, and it reminded me of when we, back in 2015, went to Buffalo, and Buffalo was clearly the better team than the Browns on that day. And this was kind of same level of just there was a clear separation between which team, you know, had the talent and had the chance, I think, to do something important this year and which team, you know, was trying to find its way. Uh, but it's a young, hungry team, and the Giants are certainly that. That's awesome. Uh, great news to hear all that. And we look for a little bit lighter today, day today is what I've heard, right? So, um, and, and that'll be good as they get ready for Sunday. Um, all right. Uh, real quick, Demetric Felton getting treat, the running back treatment this week, uh, Nathan, yep. more than the wide receiver treatment. Um, I guess my question here and something that I've kind of tossed around on my show and asked some people about is, if he, you know, him running and showing the ability to maybe run between the tackles, I know that's not really what they want to use, how they want to use him, but his ability to do that, 
Does that in any way put, in your opinion, Dearness Johnston's uh, position on the 52-man roster in jeopardy? Not in my opinion, no. But my opinion is not the one that matters. However, I don't <laughs> think there is there's no indication at all that Dearness Johnson is anything other than a very valued member of this team. He has the full yeah. trust of the coaching staff to run it if need be. We saw that in Dallas and against Indy last year. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He is a core four-phase special teams player. And then the other thing that the coaches always love about him, and you saw it on the big play, speaking of Demetrius Felton, when Case Keenum hit Demetrius Felton over the middle for 25 yards, that play does not happen without Dearness Johnson's pass blocking, going behind and picking up a guy that would have put a big lick on Case Keenum. And so his toughness, his reliability, his consistency, I think has definitely earned him a spot. And if you know, you think about the Browns and what we want to do on offense, I love Demetrius Felton. I, I think his future is probably more as a slot receiver and somebody that you can use in some plays out of the backfield. But if you were to, and I don't even want to say it, but if it were to get to the point that you needed your third running back to carry the load a bit, yeah, Dearness Johnson's the guy you want doing that. Okay, that's that's what I wanted to confirm. That makes sense for sure. Uh, that's kind of how I felt because he's you know starter on all the special teams and everything like that. I just kind of felt like. He was probably really important to the team as, as more than just what we see on the surface. And uh, you saw that in the first preseason game as well as he, you know, got the couple of nice screen plays and everything there as well and, and looked good running the ball. All right. Uh, so that was one question down about the roster. A couple more here and I'll let you go. I know you're, you're driving in. Uh, do you think the Browns are going to replace Steven Carlson? Do they, do they carry four tight ends? So I think internally, if it were to happen, there are, there are two options. I think Jordan Franks has a little bit of juice, and it's going to come down to what he can do on special teams because that's where Carlson really excelled and where a lot of his value was. Or I think Johnny Stanton, who can play fullback, he can play tailback, he can be a gadget quarterback for you, given that that's what he did in college. I think he might get some opportunities at tight end this week, and we'll see what he can do there and on special teams, or, or they'll look outside. I think they would like to have four, but it's going to have to be somebody that is an excellent special teams player. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, can't just be a guy that, you know, is just going to come in as your fourth tight end. they got to be able to do the special teams thing, obviously. Uh, interiors, let's go defensive line real quick. Interior de- defensive line, obviously they let Damian Square go. To me, uh, you know, uh, I'm like, I think Sheldon Day has been fantastic. Um, from what I have been, yeah, good, glad to hear you say that, uh, at camp. And then he looked so good. Uh, and got kind of the starter treatment on Saturday night, right? Like, I think he played like 13 reps or 14 reps, a sack, tackle for a loss, force fumble, and sit down and have a rest. So for me, I'm like, he's one of the four. He's one of the guys, right? And then you look at it like Malik Jackson, Andrew Billings, probably there. you got a lot of other guys there vying for that fourth spot. A uh, couple questions here. Do they carry five, maybe? Uh, is Malik McDowell going to get a shot to get back and play soon? Um, and Tommy Togi, Jordan Elliott, both kind of higher invested draft picks. Do you have to split hairs between the two of them? I don't want to. I'm glad that I'm not the one making the decision. I think this is going to be one of the toughest okay. roster decisions that Andrew Barry and his team have to make at the end of this because Sheldon Day has played, you know, as probably the second best defensive tackle so far behind Malik Jackson. Um, yeah. Andrew Billings has a very unique skill set and that strength and that size. But Sheldon Day has been dominant in pass block in a pass rush, especially in the one-on-ones. He's been the toughest guy to block 
and, and it carried over to the game. You, you don't move on typically from a third-round pick, especially when they're not as highly regarded internally as Jordan Elliott. Now he's been up and he's been down, and they wanted to get more consistent, but his good flashes are, are freakishly good. Yeah. Uh, you just drafted Tommy Togiai, and they're very pleased with what they've seen from Tommy Togiai thus far. So you've got five guys for what you would imagine would be four spots. I don't know how they're going to sort that out, to be honest with you. I don't know if they try to keep five there and then make a move down the line. Uh, I know that they also like Marvin Wilson a great deal, who yeah. uh, is the undrafted free agent out of Florida State, and, and they like Malik McDowell. And I think that's a guy they're really hoping they'll be able to see this Sunday. Uh, but, you know, he's, he might be the most talented, and this isn't me talking. These are people who are certainly much more than out. He's probably the most talented when you just look at pure talent, defensive tackle on the roster. But obviously yeah. we know about some of the things that he's gone through off the field. He's yet to play a snap in the NFL. Uh, but he's a very intriguing prospect, and, and yes, they want to see him, and he started off great before suffering that injury. That room where a few, you know, it seemed like going into it for a while there, we didn't even know who was going to be in the room, and all of a sudden there's almost too much talent in that room to try to figure out exactly what they're going to do there. Yeah, it, it, there is. There's so much talent there, and you just kind of want somebody just to go grab the job, right? You get in. I don't really feel like anybody's gone and just grabbed that fourth spot like, hey, this is my spot, and, I, and I hopefully we see some of that maybe on Sunday. Um, yeah. As we Last thing here with you, and I'll let you go or, or finish up here, last two things. On the edge, uh, Tack McKinley, not there. It looks like Gustin and Malvo. Is that what you think for the most part? If, if I think Tack McKinley were not to return. I think there's optimism that Tech will return. I think if, if there were a situation where Tech doesn't return, I, I'm guessing that's a position they would look to upgrade, you know, outside. But right now, they're really looking for somebody from Port Augustine, Malvo, Joe Jackson, Curtis Weaver, to really separate themselves and go up and grab that, you know, what would now be the fourth job, and then potentially two of them if, you know, Tech's not there, at least initially. Um, but I do think there is optimism internally that Tech will be back and, you know, Porter is so reliable. He's got that working for him. But there's maybe more potential with some of the other guys. They just need, they need somebody from here on out to just ball out and say, I'm the guy for you. Because right now I think that is, if you look at the roster, that is probably the thinnest position on the roster and the one where you maybe have the most concern about your depth should something happen, given the guys that are currently here, not the guys that, you know, obviously if tax back, that changes everything. But given the guys that are currently here, I think that's a position that they will be watching very, very closely. Nathan, I thought Joe Jackson looked pretty good in the uh, uh, preseason game. Is there any? Is he a real long shot, you think? I don't know if he's a real long shot. I think he has every opportunity. You know, he's a 280-pound defensive end who can move. He had three pressures to lead the team down in Jacksonville. He was yeah. active at times last year. Um, so I just think that they need they want somebody to just go out there and have it and wreck a game. And I think yeah. that would be that would go a long way for whichever individual does that. Well, let's hope that Tack gets back. You know what, Nathan? You are the biggest of bees. Thank you so much for lending Appreciate your it. time to me. Uh, it's it's really it's it's the horse sense of the guy, uh, and, <laughs> that's what and, gets uh, and that's what gets you uh, every time. So thank you for lending your time. I know you got to go. I'll be watching you today on uh, Brown, Browns Live and listening to your show as we always do. Uh, you're the best, and, and uh, so great to always uh, uh, have us so plugged into the Browns always, Nathan. And Nathan Segura on All Eyes on Cleveland, friend to show forever and always. Thank you so much, Nathan. <laughs> you got it, Brad. Thanks so much for the time, brother. All right. Bye. Bye. 
a huge thank you to Nathan uh, for taking some time out of his drive to uh, hash things out with us here this morning as the Browns prepare for day two of their joint practice uh, practices with the Giants in Berea. Um, and then Sunday will play their preseason game at 1 p.m. Eastern time. This has been a very special edition of All Eyes on Cleveland, uh, addressing the breaking news of Jacob Phillips talking with Nathan Zagura uh, about uh, some pending roster issues that I have been talking about, uh, and uh, he was excellent as always. We're going to get out of here. Hope you enjoyed our uh, special edition today. Make sure you go to alleyesoncleveland.com. Support the show. uh, Become a member. Just $3 a month or go to the link below. Uh, You can become a member down there as well. Uh, And uh, support our cause at All Eyes on Cleveland as we continue to try to build this thing up. Hit the like button, subscribe button on your way out. Uh, My name is Brad Ward. Mikey on the ones and twos. Big thanks to Nathan Figueroa again. And with that, we are out.